Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Amina Aldeen and Frederick Bafir Aldeen here on the platform established by Radio Islam. This is a program that's going to offer conversations on various topics that we hope are of interest to you and that it motivate you to um, act, to do something about the problems that you see. The uh, program is coming in a format of interviews, book reports, book reviews, and discussions between Dr. Aldine and myself. And uh, we hope that you find some um, time to listen and let us know what you think about it. The, today's topic is on civic engagement. And as we will do with all the programs that we provide, we're going to try to make sure we tie it to our understandings of the Quran. The Quran says what Allah says it says, and we hope that our interpretations applied um, practically um, can be seen to be in comportment therewith. So today we're going to remind you that Adam was placed in the earth not as a punishment, but to be so that he can, with his education and knowledge gained from Allah, be civically engaged. And we'd like to introduce our, our co-host for today's program, Dr. Amada Al-Din. Assalamu alaikum. Um, we have, I think, what is an interesting program for us to wade through today, but we'll begin with some, just some scenarios so that we can think about how as Muslims we will respond to certain situations. The um, situations we're talking about represent scenarios that you may find yourself involved in or you may know of someone who is involved in, this, in them. And they're called, we do this in the form of teasers. And there are three of them. Here's the first one. Let's say that you are a property owner in a medium-sized urban city and in a city council meeting that you attend, you are attending, you learn that a property tax increase of 3% is in the proposed budget of the city for the coming year. In answer to questions of other property owners present, you learn that in the past year, some $375 million US dollars was paid to the families of victims by the city, paid for the purposes of resolving police misconduct. So the reason, one reason for the increase in taxes is to pay off these penalties for police misconduct. What actions are available to you to avoid the tax that you feel is unfair? Or if you agree that the tax should be applied, what can you do to support it? In a second scenario, let's say that you are a businesswoman in a small city in which a mayoral election is scheduled to be held. The incumbent has successfully passed a measure to impose a 5% tax on local businesses like yours to fund a transfer, a transient shelter with required resources and staff. Due to opposition of the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce which you had, the mayor has conducted a widespread voter registration drive among the sectors of the city inhabited mainly by the unemployed, derelicts, and the undereducated, many of whom had not previously voted. Their votes could cause your business to suffer the significantly and financially from the new tax. What action can you take? Who do you call? Now let's say in our third scenario, you are a member of the Chamber of Commerce that has scheduled a vote on an update of the tour guide for the city. Tour guides being a book that tells visitors to your city where to go, who to shop with, and what valuables and um, entertainment are available in your city. 
However, the selected guide is problematic in that it has uh, included inaccuracies about local historical sites relating to local Islamic history and culture, and it also, also distorts immigrant history. What can you, a Muslim, do about these scenarios? Well, we have, let's go back to the uh, first one. Your property owner in, say, Chicago or one of its uh, close-by suburbs, and in a city council meeting, you hear about this property tax, and one of the rationales they give is that they have to pay for police misconduct. Well, as a Muslim, number one, you should be in that city council meeting. You should always be present wherever the public is present. And you ask the ethical questions because the Muslim is always going to listen to both sides or three sides, perhaps, or four even, and try to see what is the middle path between all of them. You have, uh, we have a concern, of course, about police misconduct. And we want to see what is driving the misconduct. And we also have a concern for the victims of the misconduct and how we could possibly see what is happening. Uh, we would look for areas of intervention. One, are we talking about families, the victims of families, the prolonged psychological effects of police misconduct? And we can see several interventions and say, well, we may say that the 3% tax is necessary while at the same time we have to have evidence of a serious or at least a significant reduction in police misconduct that all of us are paying for. We have to interrogate what is going on that is costing the city this money, which could be put to other uses. In the second scenario, you have a 5% tax increase on um, businesses to fund a transient shelter. Uh, well, Muslims, first of all, have, uh, as the Quran exhorts us to, a serious thinking about orphans and those who are in need and where we can intervene with sadaqah, which we can give out, where we can intervene with charities, where we're giving clothing or food in particular neighborhoods. But now we're facing a 5% tax on local businesses. And the mayor has conducted this, uh, uh, I don't know, canvassing because, but she's canvassing the very people that are in need, but the people who are gonna pay for it She's not canvassing. So we know also that there are problems with the transient shelters. The people are just given housing for maybe six or eight hours and thrown back on the street. As Muslims, our intervention could be that we propose a different kind of shelter where people are 
eased out of extreme poverty. We can't, we're not there to make people wealthy or any of those things, but that we provide and think about, now we think about how to provide some long-term care. It may not be a transient, meaning only temporary housing, but how to use some of the vacant properties for perhaps in the city that are just sitting unused where we can then hire young people who have no jobs to go in and begin to repair. But I think that we can, the, the key here is that these proposed tax hikes, we look at carefully because it's money out of our pockets. We got to know what it's going for, who it's going to serve, how it's going to serve them. And when you talk about resources and staff, that's a pit until you go and see what is what do you mean by resources and staff. Uh, the last one was the Chamber of Commerce and Muslim business owners need to be members of the Chamber of Commerce and they need to be vocal members of the Chamber of Commerce. And tour guides are very, very important. Chicago, for example, has over a million visitors each year. It is important that, you know, Chicago promotes itself as this really diverse city, but then it squeezes everything down there by the lake, except if the members of commerce, of the Chamber of Commerce, demand that the tour buses go a little further out. That's how they got the tour buses to Chinatown. Our main sites are perhaps down Harlem, perhaps on Devon Avenue. Especially Devon. Huh? Especially, Especially Devon. And it, it, it's a wonderful place to be. There's foods, all kinds of foods, all kinds of clothing, gadgets, pots and pans. You know, it's where I buy my pots and pans. And there are things for using phones overseas. You know, there is a wealth of, it's, it's like almost a little city. People are friendly. They're butcher shops. You can talk about how you want your meat cut, when you want your meat cut. So I think that being a member of the Chamber of Commerce does that. But even in the loop, there's evidences of initial Muslim presences, presence in the Arabic on the old Macy's building, uh, what is now called the Willis Tower, and the uh, direct involvement with the original architect, uh, Mr. Khan, when it was the, what was it, the Sears Tower? Um, there are all of these things where Muslims have been involved, where their early 19th century Muslim presence across Chicago. And because Muslims come in a variety of ethnicities, uh, we've got to highlight that there are Chinese Muslim restaurants in Chinatown. You know, there are all of these things that are not highlighted in this tour guide that we need to get in there and do. And that is going to fall on the shoulders of the businessmen who joined the Chamber of Commerce. And let's quickly point out that when we talk about the um, people that the mayor in the second scenario is targeting the voter get out the vote campaign, 
We've called them derelicts and um, uneducated, unemployed. We're not mm -hmm. trying to be disrespectful of their condition. We're being descriptive of their condition. Because as business persons, when you when you run your business, you have a schema or a plan. Some people have them for five years, some 10 years is looking forward on what kind of costs you may can expect to incur and what your profits can expect it to be, what your products is going to cost you to acquire and uh, manipulate into the products itself for the public. And so you are very concerned about any unexpected increase in the cost of doing your business. And, and doing a, being a business person, you have to have acquired a certain amount of education to be proficient and, and, and profitable according to the rules and guidelines of capitalism. So do you want somebody who does not understand the, your needs and, and concerns as a business person to be responsible for swaying a vote that puts additional costs on you? Or would you prefer that the mayor not go into those areas and run a campaign uh, to and get out the vote? It's, 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 a, it's a serious issue. Uh, the solution would seem to be you go out into those same areas behind the mayor and explain why the tax should not be levied. But um, that's that's cost you time to, away from your business. So one of the things that is important about civic engagement is that the electorate, the people who vote on bills and increase taxes and what have you, be educated and informed. An informed electorate, electorate is an important part of running the a democracy, which we still have. So. What is it we that think we still have. We think we still have. <laughs> so what is it that the uh, business person in the second scenario is supposed to do? And and that's that's a critical issue. Now, the Quran guides us that it says that the generic term of Khalifa, the generic Khalifa is a person who has acquired, been, uh, been given that title because they have been educated. They have, that is, they, they, they know how to name things, which is a, a way of saying they've become educated and everybody has their own um, area of expertise. So critical to being civically engaged is that people know what they're talking about, what they're doing, and what enterprise they're engaged in. And one of the things that we came across when we did research for this particular program are 12 things, a list of questions, 12 things that a citizen, a person who wants to participate in politics or civic engagement, should know in order to do to do that effectively and one of them is and surprisingly a lot of people did not know the answer to these questions i'll run run by a few of them do you know what the who who is the head of the executive branch in, in the united states is do you know who the head of the executive branch in your state or city is what is the, what are the first 10 amendments to the united to the united states constitution called and what are they when do you vote for president of the United States or governor or mayor? What are the branches of government? How, how many vote, votes are there in the House, U.S. House of Representatives? How many federal Congress people are there? If the president dies and the vice president dies, who then leads the country according to the Constitution? What is the economic system of the United States? What's it called? Where does creation of a law begin? Well, we know right now it seems to be with the president, but traditionally, <laughs> where, does the, where does the creation of the law begin as a process? What is the political party of the current president? None. <laughs> well, 
He's absent. He's creating his own political party. What is the name of the <laughs> vice president? Who is the vice president? These are some of the questions. There's a couple of more, but these are the kind of things you need to know in order to be able to perform civic engagement effectively and efficiently. And if you don't know that, then you you may be by voting ignorantly causing yourself and your family harm or you may be harming the very economic system and social order that you've come to um, appreciate. So voter education is very important and educated voters are critical. Well, I think that also um, it's important to realize who comprises our community. We're a community at the present time of uh, people who or their families have migrated here from 87 countries. In addition to a native population that is very vi uh, varied. And even in that native population, people have migrated from the South to the North. So we have uh, lots of things to consider and in speaking with uh, a good friend of mine, Fatima Mirza, she was talking about the cost of migration and the fact that it has to be considered when we're asking people to jump to civic participation. And, the, you know, it depends on were they engaged civically when they were at home in Libya or, or Karachi or Morocco or somewhere else. Many times not. Those that were can slide into understanding little bits and pieces about this chaotic system, and our system is quite chaotic. But those who were just <coughs> business people, uh, students, workers, don't, I mean, they understood how their system worked at home. But getting to know this system is mind-boggling even for its own citizens who have lost touch with it because civics is rarely taught in the public school and it keeps changing well it's taught in the public schools uh, decreasingly so but as our research shows it's not, not taught effectively which is why there's a re uh, deep deep decline in who votes and an uh, increase in misunderstanding and ignorance, given those 12 questions I just asked a moment ago, most people don't know the answers to those questions. But it's also the sense that if you can have, uh, from the, the head of our government, all of these disparaging marks, and I'm speaking here now as a Muslim, where <clears throat> does my vote count? I'm a minority, right? So does my vote count and is it going to change anything? And what I've come to realize is yes, it is because I have other allies out there who feel the same way I do about issues, whether it's education or immigration or these other things. So sending kids, for example, to Springfield just to say hi, smile and get a photo taken with a senator is not civic engagement. Civic engagement is getting out there and working with others who are fighting for the issues that we as Muslims also hold dear, but also infusing them with some of our values, you know, by how we act upon being Muslim. 
and and I love what you um, one of the phrases you used to talk about people showing up to be seen, mm -hmm. performance belief, mm -hmm. not really belief but performance. Mm -hmm. And and what we're trying to do with these programs is to is to be make practical impact. And 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 in this particular area, one of the concerns is that should and it used to be in this country among Muslims should Muslims participate in politics. And, and, Absolutely. And, and the, in order to make the society livable, I mean, now what the current administration and we ourselves have done is we exist in little bubbles. You know, we come out at the Eid and people force themselves to give salams to each other, but we're mostly in ethnic bubbles. And we have a great big old beast out there who is trying to get rid of all of us. So us trying to uh, continue our ethnic bubbles does not work in our best interest. When our interests collide, we're not even in amongst the ethnicities all the time going to have the same concerns. But we have some general concerns that all of us need to share in, in voicing and, and voting and helping decisions being crafted about. And that's politics. Uh, one definition of politics uh, given in political science is deciding or deter the process of determining who gets the distribution of social values, law enforcement in your area, clean streets, paved streets, good schools, uh, modern current textbooks, informed uh, um, elected officials, uh, uh, proper organization of government for out desired outcomes. It's decided who gets those and and what and on on what basis. And and the other the other part of that is, but being able to participate in that process, those activities we call politics. There are citizens who are eligible to vote for president, and citizens who are eligible to vote for their local city council person. But what about the people who are here in this country and are not citizens? What, what role do they play in politics slash civic engagement? Or do they have a role to play? I don't know. Uh, the right to vote is, is uh, a right extended to citizens. But those citizens who have the right to vote should be aware of and in some ways protective of the presence of those who don't have those rights. And one of the things, you know, uh, in our tradition, one of the things is we're supposed to know in order to name stuff for what it is. And one of the things we've been pushing is civil rights. And I don't know if that's what we really wanna push because civil rights uh, sitting at the heart of the constitution historically termed such to apply to African-Americans in general, not just, not African-American Muslims, but African-American and in general, who had to come from being classified as three-fifths citizens to three -fifths full- Three-fifths human being. Three-fifths human being to being fully human and able to have social and legal equality, which doesn't culminate till the 1960s, right? So- I think that while that has been taken, civil rights, the notion of civil rights has been taken to encompass uh, 
everybody um, to eradicate discrimination based on uh, an inherent uh, characteristic. Color of the skin. Color of the skin, sexual orientation, status, class, etc. But civil rights differ from civil liberties. And that becomes important because civil liberties yeah. um, are in civil rights understanding. They guarantee equal treatment. No, the civil rights guarantees equal treatment. Civil liberties are those rights and freedoms that the government may not infringe upon. The government can't stop you or take away from, right? And they're protected by the Constitution. Uh, and, you know, it gets into the discussions of rights and privileges, which is very important. A right is granted by the Constitution to citizens. And that has come up over and over again when we talk about immigration. When, when people come in and they're not yet citizens, do they have the rights guaranteed by the Constitution? No, not yet, right? But they do have the right to apply to get those rights. And they have another right to, or if, if not obligation. If you come from certain countries, the form of government is not less democratic and more tends to be more autocratic and sometimes even dictatorial. Hmm. And if you come, like ours. And if you come, <laughs> come to this country, to America, and you bring those expectations of how the branches of government, i.e. the executive branches to function, and you tend to vote once you get qualified to vote, you tend to vote so that you you change the balance of, of um, the checks and balances that is, is supposed to exist between the executive branch, <laughs> the judiciary, and the legislature. Well, if you don't have that in your country, how are you going to know my point that, is, that that's what you're doing? My point is most people come from countries with an expectation is that how the, that's how the executive rules. And they have, well, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, of course, if is, we go somewhere, we're going to think that there are three branches of government. My point is that given that orientation, that yeah. experience, they come by their votes. Can they change the checks and balances that have served this country's um, constitutional understandings well so far for good or for ill? And what can be done to make sure that these ideals checks and balances, um, et cetera, well, I think, are made known to people who come here and acquire citizenship. Well, I think one of the things we don't have that many other religious communities have is an organization or many organizations set up to go over these things with people coming in, but also with people who are already here, who are now, they've spent a decade establishing themselves here because uh, that's extremely difficult. Most of us go out, we stay for a month and go crazy. We're watching for the cable and, you know, the sights and sounds and tastes and smells are different. So it takes a while, I think, to get established here. For those already here, they have watched uh, uh, gerrymandering. They have watched their votes be sequestered, torn up, and burnt. So it's getting all of those people back into 
the the field of voting. And the, the sad thing is that we come from the tradition of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. If I were to go and try to visit Mecca, the city where the Quran was started to be sent down from the Jabul al-Nur, and I wanted to participate in saying the street in front of my hotel where I'm living has been eroded by a recent rain. I'd like to have, have somebody patch it so that I don't trip or my wife doesn't trip, my kids don't harm themselves while trying to walk across the street. I wouldn't have a clue as to who to turn to to try to get that done or whether or not I have the right to get that done. Right. And so you have people who come from that setting, born and bred, to our setting and they become um, citizens or they become people who are able to, by resource abundance, influence people who vote, in our, who are eligible to vote and who are eligible to run for office. Maybe or maybe not, by not voting, you're also influencing. Yeah, a, a, you a know, because no if you no stay home, a, a no yeah. vote is a vote. Yeah. So how do we how do we um, take the how do we take the process of civic engagement and make make its ideals practical and functional? And one of the things I like to t turn our uh, conversation to is the model of the the um, the, the Constitution of Medina. And how it talks about <coughs> citizens, Muslimun, and non-citizens, Muslimun, um, as it as it is laid out in the um, in, in that constitution, that document. I think it offers us a model, not to be copied exactly, but to be manipulated and, and, and published, um, promulgated based on an understanding of the principles that are in that document, so that people can make a make a um, a better effort and effective effort at being civically engaged as we are empowered to be by our Lord. Um, if you look at it, it talks about people who are covered by the directly by the Constitution, and and though because they are Muslim, uh, and those who are um, protected by the Constitution, as the Muslim by by paying uh, taxes or what have you. Uh, or because they're parties to treaties with the believers. And, as, and I just recommend that as a document that people should study to see how this whole concept of civic engagement was articulated uh, under the guidance of the Prophet, peace be upon him, in, the, in Medina, in, the, in that constitutional document. Well, I think here we, we also have uh, lots of literature on Muslims living as minorities in other states. And since we've chosen to be here, all of us have chosen to be here as opposed to out in the Muslim world, we have to think about how we're going to negotiate that to the betterment of our community. Um, and a part of that has to be, it's, it's not about which of the laws are you going to follow or not follow, because there are legal consequences to not following the law. But there are also ways that we can socially bring into the thinking patterns of a secular state run amok, which is what ours is, is going crazy, where people uh, at the highest realms of government are bullying 
uh, destroying democracy, etc. Destroying the rule of law. Yeah, the rule of law. We can bring some sense back into it and in that way begin to damp down our own fears about what is happening. The Muslim has to be concerned with what is right in front of him in addition to having a concern for Muslims out there in the world. And hopefully we'll get to a podcast where we look at the status of Muslims across. Rodriguez, Rohingya. Yeah. The uh, the Senegalese. The, you know, there, there are all kinds of things happening out there in addition to what is happening that we are uh, confronted with. We have a thing called the executive order which can put bans on people from coming here. As the Muslim, we have to look at that in two ways. Can a state be totally open to anybody, a nation rather, to anybody who wants to come into it? Uh, Muslim, not Muslim, Muslim states are not Muslim open leaders, to Muslim anybody. Believers of Muslim states would say, heck no, it's not gonna happen here. You can't just yeah. come in here and, and Plot, put your flag down and say this is where I am, right. etc. And sovereign states have much of their power is based in that sovereignty. They have to be able to call the citizens to the armed forces when it goes to war. And Muslims have to begin to have conversations about <coughs> suppose uh, President uh, Jackie says, well, we're going to war against Pakistan. What are we going to do? You can't, your young people cannot say if there's a conscription, I'm not going. They go to jail. Because we need people in the armed forces. Now, we can get on the other side of that and say, how can we make some influences in our government by our election of judges, of Congress people, of all of these people, so that that does not come a reality in some future that today we can't imagine. And that's why voting is important, knowing who it is you vote for. If, you know, judges sitting in courts, say in the state of Illinois, are some of them are up for uh, election. We need to go down that list and you can get it on uh, online by looking for Illinois judges up for election. And that's a really important office yeah. to, to get a handle on. Yeah, because they're going to be the people that stop ICE from snatching people out of their homes. Well, they're the ones you know? who protect the, the civic, civil rights of uh, right. citizens. We gotta look at our aldermen, and our aldermen should be invited to attend uh, Muslim discussions about politics. Members of the Chamber of Commerce should be invited to attend. We're talking about the good of the society which we and our children and our grandchildren live in. We, those conversations, are, those are not necessarily 
on their face scripted as religious conversations. And there is a the the way to one way at least to allay suspicions about what we're doing is here. This is what we're doing. We've engaged in interreligious dialogue, but we never set the table. The table is always set. Like in Sword of Maida, the, the table is always set by somebody else. And if somebody else is setting the table with the plates and the dinnerware and they're determining the food, then you are not in control of the conversation about issues that matter to you. And in and, and, and the, the context of, of this, the United States, where Muslims find themselves as citizens or aspiring citizens, we have to be cognizant, mindful of our heritage as Muslims to be mm. civically engaged. And again, mm -hmm. I refer us back to the model of Adam, who was whose story comes to us through a the recounting of how he, how he underwent the process of being educated and trained so that he could name things, be analytical and understand processes and principles that run um, society. And he in, in that process, he engages people who oppose him, um, who despair at who despair at his being having been selected. These are the iblis of the of, the, of society. And when that um, despair does not um, wind up being the despairing one replacing Adam, it reverts to outright rebellion. And this is the shaitan personality. And we have to understand that the same types of forces and situations and processes are going to come against us as individuals, families, groups and associations. We're going to be at, um, opposed in trying to uh, implement the, um, what, what God wants done within, the, the, within the, the understandings of the law of our country. And we have to expect that. So we have to become very educated and very organized and very principled and trying to make the laws of this, co this country stable, more stable than they are now, and, and correctly applied. We have that obligation as Muslims engaged in civic, um, in civic engagement. Well, one of the things we also looked at is the organizations, and one, I think, um, around Chicago and its suburbs, I think we had MCC has a push on I don't know if you... The MCC has a push on voter registration, <laughs> public health, um, elder care, uh, orphans. Had, someone was handing out flyers the other day about um, taking care of the orphans. So what we're talking about is how the Muslim community is starting to pick up on its um, even more effective and informed participation in civic engagement. Yeah, because I know ISNA and ICNA, uh, CIOGC, even CARE, you know, Iman. yeah, Iman, we've got to begin to read those newsletters, volunteer, sign up, get our kids, take our kids. I know that the downtown Islamic Center periodically, I'm not sure what the schedule is, has a food program. And it really does feed people. Masjid Taqwa has a, um, a food pantry that it gives out. Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while so so the muslims are doing things and and those things and we're not we're not reinventing the wheel we're saying here's a problem that still exists i.e civic engagement is not at the level it should be 
because forces that are opposed to civil rights and civil liberties are seeming to gain ground. And it's more important ever than ever before for Muslims to become educated about what the issues are, how they can participate effectively and to do so. And I see you have one of our favorite books. That we yeah, our book is on tyranny. That's the title of it. And it's by Timothy Snyder, Professor Snyder. Uh, I forget which university. Is. Little bitty book. Came out, huh. came out in the night. When, when did it come out? Uh, I'm not 20, sure, 20. but... This is a book, and it's broken up into really short chapters. But it has in there uh, little things that we should be aware of. Take responsibility for the face of the world. Well, what, he, what he's doing is telling you that tyranny exists yeah. and can come into an area like the democratic societies surreptitiously, un, 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 unbidden, unannounced. It just shows up. And when it does, or when you see it coming, and he tells you the patterns that you can look for to see what tyranny is coming to your area, there's some things that you can do in order to try to offset, push it back, and, and engage in effective democratic civic engagement. Good book. He was just on Rachel Maddow's show um, uh, last MSNBC. night. MSNBC. So what we wanted to do today was talk about um, civic engagement using the model of Adam and his role as as a person educated to participate in the earth, i.e. become civically engaged. And we talked about the um, scenarios where it tells you what kind of knowledge you need to know in order to be an effective citizen where you are or to influence society from where you are if you're not a citizen. We hope you found some information that's of interest to you and new to you. We look forward to seeing you in our next program um, here on Conversations with Dr. Amina Aldean and Imam Frederick Aldean. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.